Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Hopefully, we didn't lose roughly a third of you last week with some teams winning... Don't overreact to week one. Week two is on its way. This is where a lot of teams can get redemptions. I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to point out that this is overreaction week. Yes, because it's overreaction by both the desert people sometimes. So sometimes. you can find value yeah. there. Certainly it's an overreaction by fans. <clears throat> overreaction by media. Media for sure because they feed into the fan side of it. As best I can on some of these lines and talking about these teams, I'm going to impress upon the listener my thought process that I believe there is some overreaction that I've seen this week and that I'd like to okay. share my opinion. We'll see how good I, 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 I do good a job I do of pointing that out. But Okay, well, I will let you know. It is also adjustment week for coaches. This is There's a big difference between week one and week two that's a great point yeah so i guess that would be something that would err towards more established coaches i think AKA so good coaches yeah. because they're the ones that can figure out okay what was wrong with our team fix Correct. it and get better it's a very good point um okay so for now a couple things to point out these aren't necessarily housekeeping items just <laughs> setting up this podcast okay first of all uh, we've picked up a lot of listeners in the last couple weeks, couple months. Um, we know some of you are on Eastern Standard Time. Uh, the Downstairs Athletic Club is located in Central Standard Time. Most of the Big Ten teams are located in the Central Time Zone. Good point. So whenever we give times, they are Central Standard Time. Sorry for any of our East Coast or West Coast listeners. Yeah, you're following Midwestern Time. You're that, on our time. <laughs> you're on our time, baby. Another thing, just for this week specifically, um, I typically do the weather forecast for each area um, with 14 games to go through here. And I looked it up. It's all the I'm, same. I'm not joking. It is 80 to 85 degrees <laughs> in every single it's, state. So it's basically sunny, partly cloudy, you know, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary, not windy. It's just going to be a, it's going to be great weather everywhere. So you looked football. it up too when you were yeah. looking up the weather. Yeah. So we're not going to go through the weather for each one. That'll save a little bit of time because again, here's the I know weather. this. It's, it's good. It's good. It's great weather. It's going to be a little warm, but it'll be good. With that being said, I know it hasn't happened since we've recorded this podcast. 14 all 14 teams playing an out-of-conference game. Has this ever you're, ever happened in Big wait, Ten history? You're sure it hasn't happened since, since I, we started recording? I, I have no memory of I this. I don't remember 14 teams, but... Because to me, this is how it breaks down. The Week one, we had an inordinate amount of Big Ten versus Big Ten games for week one. Fair. We even had one week zero. I think then the Big Ten said, okay, we're going to make a splash week one. Now, week two, we're going to get to playing non-conference. Yeah. So that's what I... Because I felt like in previous years there was a mix. There was a just a couple Big Ten versus Big Ten games week one, yeah. week two, week three. I think you're right. This is com this is uncharted territory to me. Fourteen and and all on Saturday. Yes. Not not one on Thursday, not no. one on Friday. They're all on Saturday. Last week was scheduled two Thursday, one Friday, then a decent amount on Saturday. 
all on Saturday. And speaking of this Saturday, it is the 20th quote-unquote anniversary. I don't know if that's the best word to use for 9-11. So if that is something that means a lot to you, as it probably should, we want to at least bring that up. Okay. So a lot of 9-11 tribute stuff on, on uniforms. There's one I wish I could remember the Tim. I saw a really nice patch. It was just a patch, patch. that had 9-11 on it. And it was I thought it was very well done, very respectful. I, I Thumbs up for any team that does that. Just does the regular patch. I think Iowa, I love the Iowa patch. State. <clears throat> love I think Iowa and Iowa State are going to do something. I know Nebraska is going to do something special. I think you'll see some... Tributes here and there. I certainly remember where I was uh, when 9-11 happened. We don't have to get all into that. But uh, anyways, uh, good thing to remember. So fantastic. All right. Should we get right into the games? Yes, sir. Okay. The first game of the weekend, they at least did, as you go through this, a little bit better job of parsing out these games with the kickoff times. So our first game up at 10 o'clock a.m. Central Time. That was the point where I wanted to make sure I, I pointed out the time zone we're in. Illinois travels to Virginia to take on the Cavaliers. This is on the ACC network as I bump the mic. Line Cavaliers by 10. The over-under is 55. So Vegas is saying something like a 33-23 to win by Virginia. 57% of the money is on the Illini. Here's what I find interesting about the early kickoff, okay? Two weeks ago, Illinois played the earliest Big Ten versus Big Ten game in the history of the conference. In the the calendar year. In the calendar year. Are they now playing the earliest by the clock kickoff with this 10 o'clock kickoff? Boy, I mean, it's got to be close. But I I mean, yeah, I guess how could nobody's going to start earlier than 10 a.m. I don't think so. I think Illinois now has the honor of being the earliest Big Ten football team of all time. I mean, technically, Michigan State and Wisconsin played in 1993 in Tokyo, but I don't know what what that Ooh. what time that sunk up to Central wow. Time. Okay, maybe we'll, maybe a listener or somebody will tell us. But there you I go. Th- if I recall, that was the last game of the year, and the Badgers had to win it. I think to go to the Rose Bowl. Wow. That's uh, maybe Super Crow can help us out on he, that one. He probably could. That is before my time. Good pull there. Yeah, and then and Super Crowl, I want to know what time it was in the central time zone, too. <laughs> Do the math. <laughs> All right, back to the uh, Illinois-Virginia game. Um, okay, so we'll start with Virginia. Um, you know, another precursor. I meant to say this at the beginning, and I forgot. Um, power 5 versus Power 5 matchups this week. I did my best to do some digging. I'm just going to be honest, Big Ten, or Eyes on Big listeners. Kurt and I both got jobs. When we are getting down to the Youngstown states and Indiana states of the world this week, buyer beware if you're taking any oh. gambling. <laughs> I don't do a whole lot of digging when it gets to Indiana State. I've got a friendly. I'm going to give you some digging. I did do okay. some digging. Okay. All right. I'm just saying, you know, we've got lives and we're going to do our best this week. Now, with Virginia. Okay. Last week. They destroyed William and Mary. I mean, some of these teams that the teams Big Ten fans are playing or Big Ten teams are playing this week is kind of kind of hilarious. But uh, Virginia, decent ACC program. Don't know how much we learned from them week one. With that being said, this is a Power Five versus Power Five matchup. This is a chance for Brett Bielma to get some momentum back that they lost last week versus UTSA. Yeah, the time throws me off a little bit. I'm wondering how much that's going to shake them up. So I learned a little bit about the UVA Cavaliers from 
from our friend Micah that is, by the Bingo. way, he's, he's the only guy that has stopped by both tailgates that we've had. And now that I think about it, he was in Iowa City. Uh, Micah, I'm sorry, my phone goes dead as soon as I get into Iowa City, and I just forgot if you were trying to get a hold of me. But, but anyway, he's got his own pe- uh, podcast, FQ Just Means More. So it's an ACC podcast. I'm sorry, just, just means less. What am I saying? Oops. FQ Just Means Less. It's an ACC podcast hosted by Micah. So he gave me a little bit of dirt. He says... Virginia likes to run the quarterback a lot the way that Nebraska likes to run. Also has a good run defense, which I think stacks up well against what Illinois likes to do on offense. They like to run the ball. Now, a few things about injuries here. We don't know about Brandon Peters, if he'll be back. I think it's doubtful. Chase Brown was supposed to be back last week. Didn't dress. Is he back this week? No idea. His injury status seems to be an enigma wrapped in a riddle this year. Well, Bielema said, oh, no, he's 100%. He's full go for last week's game, and he didn't even dress. Hmm. So I don't know what that means. Anyway, Keith Randolph had a pretty nasty injury, starter on the defensive line. We know about C.J. Hart being out, uh, Brian Hightower being out in the wide receiver room. So a lot of injuries here that Illinois is dealing with. And here's one thing that's been disappointing me so far is the offensive line play hasn't been horrible, but it hasn't been very good. And those guards are – I thought it was going to be a weak spot. It's maybe a little worse than I thought it was going to yeah. be. Yeah. Um, I would just say the overall consistency of the Illinois offense, even during the Nebraska win, has it's left something to be desired for Illinois fans. But with that being said, it's the defense that is perplexing me more than anything. Again, like I felt like last week versus UTSA, they did enough offensively to win that game. But you you got to hold a Group of Five team under you know they held under thirty seven points or thirty right. to win the game. What what is this Illinois defense right now? I I am still trying to figure that. I mean, you thought and the, and the linebackers played pretty poorly, which I didn't expect. Expect right? Yeah. I mean, that's the one part of the defense you you talked up. I think you were pretty confident with the D line, very confident with the linebackers, not so much with the D backs. Yep. Last week, I can't really. I mean, I rewatched the game. I can't really say any level played good defensively last week. No, yeah. it, they did not show up ready to play, which w- makes me wonder. Do they bounce back this week? That is literally the point I have here. Uh, I'm just going to give this as a as a precursor. This is a stay away game for me. There are yeah. too many question marks. I don't think we really know anything about Virginia. We're still learning about the Illinois Fighting Illini football team. I think I think Bert Beetle is is learning about the Illinois Fighting Illini football team. With that being said, if you love to gamble, baby, you know this this is your thing. For me, I've got Virginia 35. Illinois 24. So if you're kind of paying attention, that's a that's a one point cover for Virginia. Not real confident at 59 points. That is over the 55. Okay, I'm going with a Virginia win as well. A little bit lower scoring, 30 to 23. That's good for an Illinois cover and an under. Okay, I had almost the exact same score at yeah. first. I think I had 30 to 24, and then I read up a little bit more, and I guess leaky defenses could be a situation. That's what popped me higher. But uh, interesting. So FQ just means less. Micah at that podcast also has Virginia winning and Illinois covering. Okay. All right. There we go. Moving on. One of the bigger games of the weekend probably could have gotten snuck in there for the Big Ten game of the week. Number 11, the Oregon Ducks come into the horseshoe to play the number three Ohio State Buckeyes. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on Fox line Buckeyes by 14 and a hook 
over under 63.5 for the second week in a row. That's almost the exact same spread and over under for Ohio State. It was almost dead on. I think it was 14 and 64 last week. So 14 and a half and 63.5. So Vegas is saying something along the lines of 40 to 24 Ohio State. Just over half of the money is on the Buckeyes. Yeah, so Oregon won their first game, played Fresno State. Now, Fresno had more yards, more first downs, but they kept turning the damn ball over. Yep. That was the problem with with Fresno. I feel like they kind of outplayed them. Oregon had to mount a late comeback to win the game. They didn't run the ball well. Meanwhile, Ohio State, we saw them against a good Minnesota team. Their defense played okay, but it's a good Minnesota offense, and their offense, of course, is elite. And I do expect, uh, mentioned the the coaching adjustments, I think C.J. Stroud, we'll see a little bit of improvement, maybe a few less misfires. I really like the the uh, Buckeyes in this game. Yeah, um, I tell you, what, I, yeah, I mean, a little bit more of a breakdown. I mean, Oregon was up twenty-one to six in that mm-hmm. game, and then boom, they were behind twenty-four yeah. to twenty-one. They went asleep for halfway uh, in the middle of that game. Took everything they could to beat them. Three hundred yards passing, they gave up. Now Fresno State's no slouch, but. When you're a top 10 Pac-12 team, the the quote-unquote, you know, Pac-12 returning champion, I don't know, just feels like you should be able to put away Fresno State a, a little bit easier. Another thing, too, we're talking about early kickoffs. Yeah. This is a 9 o'clock right. a.m. local time kickoff for Oregon. Yeah. Th- that is a distinct advantage for the Buckeyes. Right. I mean, I, I feel weird about Illinois playing at 10. Correct. They're playing at 9 a.m. That's a body clock thing. Another thing that doesn't exactly sound good for Oregon, we don't know yet, but Kayvon Thibodeau, their monster top 10 yeah. potential defensive end, he went out of the game with an ankle. You know how they say that? With an ankle. Yeah. We still don't know. He's listed on the depth chart, but the coach admitted this week that he is not practicing. It's basically okay. going to be how he looks at the end of the week and if he can get reps. So those are all things looking for Ohio State. Um, the thing that, that scares me about Ohio State is – the defense. Um, I'm not saying it looked bad versus Minnesota, and Minnesota deserves credit for yep. being a very good offense, certainly a very good offensive line. The Ohio State uh, offense or defense bowed up when it needed to. Um, I would think most Buckeye fans are looking for a better effort from the defense from start to finish. Is sure. that fair? Yeah. Um, so what do you do? You go to the other side of the ball and you lean on what works, which is the Ohio State offensive line. Um, I, I mean, I feel like there's an embarrassment of riches still on that side of the ball. Yeah. With a freshman quarterback. Well, that, which, that's the thing. Isn't it weird that the quarterback position is probably their weakness in offense? Correct. At and, least at the moment. And to a certain degree, you're okay with that, even though it's the most important position on the field. By the way, if you like freshman quarterbacks, tune into this game. Why? Oregon's quarterback is a freshman quarterback making his second career start, hmm. dry, flying across the country to play in, in the, the horseshoe. The horseshoe. I mean, there's a lot of things piling I, up for I, Ohio State. I really here, right? like. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I I've got Ohio State kind of cruising a little bit. Okay. In this one. I've got Ohio State 44, Oregon 20. That's good for an Iowa State cover. Okay. And that's an over. And in fact, I think what I'm going to do here. Yeah, yeah. Go is on for I'm it. going with my double barrel lock of the week for Ohio State okay. and the cover. Totally get it. Do not blame you at all. I can't quite put my finger on it, 
But I feel like Oregon is going to dial something up a little bit here offensively. Um, I, I at one point had a uh, uh, score very close to what yours was. Yeah. Uh, one of the websites, I will go ahead and throw it out there, that I use to garner information is collegefootballnews.com. Pete Futak, who was born and raised in Minnesota. I had 34 to 24 in my head, swear to God, looked it up. That is exactly the score that College Football News has. I took it as an omen, so that's what I'm going to go with. Ohio State 34, Oregon 24. So that is an Oregon cover. It does fit into my don't overreact to the last week type of thing with Oregon, and that is an under at 58 points with the, with the over-under being 63.5. All right, next game up, also at 11 o'clock a.m. This is on Big Ten Network. Youngstown State coming in. To East Lansing to play the Michigan State Spartans line Sparty by 20.5 over under. Could not find one. We're getting into a couple things here where it's just tough to find. Uh, yeah, uh, Mich- or last week, Youngstown State struggled to beat Incarnate Word 44-41. to 41. So Incarnate Word, great name, I think, for, Absolutely. for a university. You know what else is a great name? The Penguins. The Penguins. I lo- I've always loved that Youngstown State from Youngstown. Yeah, they gave yeah. up 41 points to Incarnate Word. The defense has gone downhill since our, our guy Bo Pelini left, to be I, honest That must you. be it. Yeah, right? it's part of it. So Michigan State, they were impressive, but then how good is Northwestern? Because we know how... They lost so much off that team, had the least returning production in, in all of college football. And can Kenny Skywalker repeat his performance in the backfield? Like it, Skywalker. With, what was it, 246 yards? Or is that just a, you know, was he a one-trick pony, one time and done? Uh, now, they did give it up a little bit through the air, got improved there. But they looked competent on both sides of the ball last week. Correct. But... A little leaky on defense. Well, yeah, I guess. So, again, they gave up a lot of yards through the air. Correct. To Hunter. So, my thought process is I think Michigan State hit on that this week. I think that's going to be very much an area of focus. So, I think the defense will look a little bit better. But I think as time goes on, I think you are going to see a Michigan State team that's going to be a lot of fun to watch, okay? I think it's going to be ups. I think it's going to be downs yeah. as as the staff and all the new faces in new places kind of gel together. Now, it won't be a down this week enough for this to be a concern for Michigan State. Okay, I think they win this game. Um, but I think there's just going to be I, – I think there's going to be some a little bit of, of craziness that's going to happen in this game to the point where Michigan State's got the lead at halftime, but not by much, making Michigan State fans a little bit nervous. Then I want to see the offense just kind of take over again. Maybe Peyton Thorne has a little bit more pressure that gets put on him, and I think he responds. I've got Michigan State 40, Youngstown State 17, so that is a cover by Michigan State. Yeah, I'm not too far off from that. I'm going Michigan State 35, Youngstown State also 17. So that is a Youngstown State cover. Fantastic. Go Penguins. All right. We still got two more 11 o'clock. Yeah, <laughs> kick us to go. Don't go anywhere. Next one up, Miami of Ohio at the Minnesota Golden Gophers. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game. We're down to ESPNU for this one. We're, we're, we're digging. We're going to be 
ESPNU's and the Big Ten Network extra channels. We got oh, some yeah. of that going on this weekend, so good luck trying to find these games. Line Gophers by 20, so just short of three touchdowns, over under 54. So Vegas is saying something like a 38-17 to 17 Gophers win. 78% of the money is on the Gophers. Boy, that's crazy. That's going to probably factor in my decision here. So Miami, first up. Went to some really crisp uniforms this year. I don't know if you've seen okay. these. They're kind right. of they're you know a little throwbacky. This look nice and clean. They're simple, but not overly simple. Got routed by Cincinnati last week. So I don't know what we learned about Miami because Cincinnati is a great team. But you know what? Minnesota's also a pretty good team. They're not bad. This could be a routing. I, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um interesting. Interesting. I'm not that's saying it go. is. I'm just okay. saying this, okay. that, it could go I, the same way. I kinda I kind of came away from the Miami of Ohio Cincinnati game saying that Miami of Ohio is no slouch. Um, our boy Chappie has got him picked pretty high yeah. in 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 the uh, in our in the MAC. Um, so I I think it's probably more to take away from just how good Cincinnati is from that game, in right. my opinion. Um, haven't we been here before with Minnesota? Okay, um, I think PJ for whatever reason his teams play up. And down yeah, to their competition. It's not just a beginning of the year thing. I think that has a lot to do with it. Although at the end of 2019, they were kind of rolling people that year. So that doesn't really apply. Another thing, I mean, obviously we could have put this in the housekeeping. I don't think we said it on the last podcast, but Mo Ibrahim is officially out for the year. I don't think they ever said it was an Achilles, but I think it's pretty much standard uh, knowledge that it was. I saw it. It was an Achilles. It was an Achilles. Um, uh, uh, Chris Ottman bell is still not back. Are you sure about that, though? I'm not sure of that, but it it sure looks to be the case. I'm not terribly concerned about that yet, though, because we had two good wide receivers emerge in that Ohio State game. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I, but now I'm a little concerned about the running game. I really am. I've heard a lot of people say, oh, it doesn't matter. They'll be fine. I, I, I do all. not agree you with that. You do not just replace Mo Ibrahim. I, I, that is a doing a disservice to Mo Ibrahim yeah. when people are saying that. Potts and some of the other running backs, don't get me wrong, they're talented, they're good. It's going to be by a committee. Mo was the guy that you leaned on. You just kept getting into those third and five. I, I I think they can do that again because I have that much faith in that offensive line and and Tanner Morgan checking him into the right plays and all of that stuff. But just a little bit of a letdown with Mo gone. A little bit of a letdown being an 11 o'clock a.m. game as opposed to that Thursday night game where the whole crowd was into it. I feel like I can see this coming. I've got Minnesota 28, Western Michigan 20. So Miami, Ohio. Excuse me. I got it on my sheet. Minnesota 28, Miami of Ohio 20. So that's quite a bit under at the 48 and quite an easy cover for Miami of Ohio. Okay. So another thing that I will say is defensively, Minnesota had their best learning experience last week. Yes. And yeah, I know they gave up a lot of big plays, but it's Ohio State. They were doing good at a lot of in, through a lot of parts of the game defensively, bottling up Ohio State. So um I do I do see them keeping it to a comfortable win, is what I'm saying. Okay. Minnesota thirty eight, Miami twenty. So it's a Miami cover though. Okay. And that's an over. Wow. Okay. I thought I thought we'd be on the same page there. Always interested to see what you come up with. All right. This is, I promise, our last 11 o'clock game game. I'm not going to have enough. I won't be able to do this on DVR. I'm going to hope some of these come back 
on Big Ten and 60 so I can watch them afterwards. It's, it's literally impossible. Oh, I, how many do we have at, at the same time? One, two, three, four, five. Five 11 a.m.s? Uh, one, what? two, three, four, five. Five 11 o'clock a.m. games. Mercy. Insane. All right, last one. Indiana State coming into Evanston to play the Northwestern Wildcats. This is on BTN+. Plus. I'm just going to assume it doesn't really list it out. Line 26 and a half points. The Wildcats are favored by over-under. Could not find one. I can confirm it's on BTN+. Plus. Okay. Because I saw it on my on my YouTubes. Right. I do the YouTubes TV. And it like gave a preview. It, it shows it right now. If you turn to ESPN, this BSPN page... Or, I'm sorry, the, the Big, Big Ten. Ten. It has it right below the regular Big Ten network, and it says Indiana State at Northwestern upcoming. Interesting. And I mean, that I saw that yesterday even. So on Tuesday, they were telling you this game's on BTN+. Plus. All right. Okay. Crazy. Last week, Indiana State barely beat Eastern Illinois. I, I don't believe this is... Uh, a stalwart Indiana State team <laughs> that we're looking at this weekend. Uh, is it a stalwart Eastern Illinois Panthers team? I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know, know that. I don't know that. So Northwestern has got to be feeling a little bit demoralized right now after last week. Okay. I, you don't think so? Inter- no, keep going. Okay. They've lost to teams like this before. Yes. They lost to Illinois State a handful of years back. It's just one state over. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but I was impressed by I'm calling him Hujo now. That's my name for him. Hunter okay. Johnson. Hunter, Hunter Johnson. Okay. Hucho was good. And Bryce Kurtz, I thought, showed some yeah. some things, too. So they do have some weapons. And this is another coaching thing. The defense is going to step up a little bit this week. Correct. And and Fitzy's going to have them ready. I, it's, I know we kind of have the same tropes that we say over and over again with Fitzy with that stuff. But we say them because they're mostly true. I just really, really have a hard time believing that that defense is going to look that porous two weeks in a row. Oh, by the way, they're not going against Michigan State right. in their offensive line. They're going against Indiana State, so that's going to make a difference too. And you kind of already alluded to it. I kind of have a newfound confidence suddenly in, in Hunter Johnson. I, I honestly was shocked. Right. It was shocking how good he looked yes. last week. It just was hidden in all of the rushing yards that Michigan State was piling up. Um, so either that's something that's very concerning about Michigan State's secondary and back seven, or Hunter Johnson has come to play this year. And is it a situation where I would Hunter go with jo- the latter? I think who chose so come to play? Because I Michigan State's got some good players back there. It's not like they're a bunch of you know freshmen they're, that we never well, even heard they're, of. They're new. There there's a lot of new faces in Michigan State's secondary. So that's gross Henderson. True. I think there's another starter back there. Okay. Um so what I'm kind of wondering, though, is what the game plan will be for Northwestern, because do you keep do you keep Hunter Johnson's confidence going and you keep throwing the ball or is it time to get a running attack established? I think you got to establish. Running I, I believe so, too. So yeah, that, but, but here's the thing. Twenty six and a half. When do they they don't usually beat teams by twenty six? No, right? no, I mean, they it don't. does happen. Maryland last year, for instance. But I that that line stuck out as Weird. It's weird to me. Odd. So I got Northwestern winning 28 to 10. Okay. Interesting. I have Northwestern winning 38 to 10. Okay. So you have just a little bit under yeah. uh, Indiana State cover. I've got a point and a half over for Northwestern. I don't feel confident about this. I just feel like Indiana State is awful. And I think Northwestern will put enough points on the board late in the game. Yep. 
All right, moving up just a little. We're just into the afternoon. This is a <laughs> 1 o'clock p.m. game. We start to shuffle these around a little bit. The Rucker Scarlet Knights going on the road, not too far, though, to go into the Dome to, pay, to take on the Syracuse Orange. As I said, 1 o'clock p.m., another game on the ACC Network, probably why your game was put at 10 o'clock a.m. As of right now, the line is the Scarlet Knights by 2 the over-under is 52.5. So Vegas is saying something like 28 to 26 Rutgers. 65% of the money is on the Scarlet Knights. All right, so Syracuse. They won at Ohio last week, 29 to 9, pretty that's a, easily. That's a pretty good win. Yeah, it is a good win. And I don't. why are they going to Ohio? We're going to get to that later in the cast, too. Okay. So Dino. Yeah. It initially was flying high, right? I like Dino. I do too. He got cl- too close to the sun, though, and he came crashing back <laughs> Boy, down. And I, a lot of it has to do with this quarterback play. He still doesn't have a quarterback, and now, it's still Tommy DeVito again this year. Well, now that's true. I think if you ask the DeVito family, maybe even some Syracuse fans, a lot of that has to do with the absolutely atrocious offensive line that Syracuse has okay. rolled out the past two years. I'm not saying. I'm not saying Danny DeVito, Tommy DeVito, whatever, is like, you know, a next-level quarterback, but I think that has had something to do with it. Last week versus Ohio. Now, remember, this has been a MAC team that has won a ton of games the past three, four years. Oh, yeah. Now, their coach, obviously, with Nebraska ties, he retired in the offseason, so maybe there's a little bit of a change in oddness and weirdness going on with Ohio. I don't know. But I would say in any capacity, beating a quality MAC team like that, Syracuse, that's that's pretty impressive. It's a thing. It's a th- it is a thing. Yeah, and also they leaned heavily on running back Sean Tucker last week. He was he was their offense. So Rutgers, I feel good about their defense. And I I think what we saw last week from the Cuse was kind of a one dimensional offense. I feel really good with a Shiano coach, de- coach defense against a one dimensional offense. The only thing that quest- that I have a question about is going to that stupid dome, okay. and playing in that dumb dome. Yes. Otherwise, I would. I, this would have been my double barrel, I think, if it wasn't for the dome. Wow. I might go with a single barrel. It's this is my single okay. barrel okay. pick of the week. I'm going Rutgers twenty eight to twenty for Rutgers covering an under. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Um. Okay. So this is a defensive led team, both both sides, both both sidelines. Um, I I don't think Syracuse is going to light it up. I don't think Rutgers is going to light it up right now. It is lean on the defense, try to get the the rushing attack going. Um, Rutgers is extremely dependent on the turnovers right now. Uh, they they're almost Indiana like right now and how much they need to force turnovers. I have a little bit of newfound faith that Syracuse will be able to stop that from happening. But I also have faith that the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, who are coached by Greg Schiano, are going to take this regional game very seriously. I think Greg Schiano wants this win big time. I don't know. Call it a little bit of a gut feel. I've got Rutgers 23, Syracuse 28. I've got Syracuse pulling off the mini tiny upset. They're only, I mean, they're only two-point dogs with the under being 51. Hey, man. You got to pick a little bit of unchalky stuff here, and that one's mine. It's a it's a little bit of a gut feel. All right, I think we'll take a break right now and hear from our sponsor. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat. 
or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. All right, next up, a 2 o'clock game. We're still not up to that 2.30 p.m. Yeah, we got a 2 o'clock game. Purdue going on the road? That's what I was going to say. That was my first point. <laughs> to At play UConn. UConn. At UConn. 2 o'clock p.m. game. This is on the CBS Sports Network line. Boilers by 33 and a half over under 57. So Vegas is saying something along the lines of 45 to 10. Purdue, 70% of the money is on the Boilermakers. Why is 70% of the money on the Boilermakers? You could make the argument that this is the worst P5, G5, D1, whatever you want to call it, the worst football program of my lifetime. Ooh. They're atrocious. Wow. Did you see last week that that video that hit? Yeah, I Twitter? saw. <laughs> so, okay, first of all, Randy Edsel, in case people don't know, people maybe not as nerdy as me and you. Poor bastard. Randy Edsel announced that he was going to retire yeah. at the end of the season. Then they got beat by an FCS team. And then the universe says, no, why don't you just retire now? So Randy Etzel cleaned his office out literally 24 hours after he announced his retirement at the end of the season. Yeah. Now, the the person that's taking over UConn is the defensive coordinator. The defensive coordinator was the one right before his yeah. team went back on the field. He was shouting at them words of encouragement. Oh. Put your hand up in the air. To all your players, you know, put their hands up with you, break huddle. None of them put their hands up. They just turned around and walked out into the field. Yeah, and it's so it, that was pathetic, it by was the pathetic. way. But it's so sad because Randy Edsel in his first stint at UConn did such a great job. Phenomenal. I had so much respect for him. I thought he was going to go to Maryland and do a good job. He did, unfortunately, did not. And then he just somehow kept getting worse as a head coach. The the meteoric fall for Randy Etzel, and then it, at the same time, UConn, because remember, our, I'm pretty sure that was our guy, Bobby Bobby Disco was at UConn. He too, was, or, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Wasn't it like 2010 they were in a, a New Year's Six I think it was, game? I think it was 10, 11 years ago. Somewhere right around So start there. there and then track them on Winsipedia to where they're at now. It's incredible. It's incredible. Does, does, does our guy, Bobby Disco, really wreck stuff that bad? Oh, Is my. there some sort of stink he puts... <laughs> Anyways, all right. So, again, it's not hyperbola. UConn might be the worst team that that any Big Ten team plays this year. So, all right, so let's move on to Purdue. This is my literally my only concern with Purdue. It's a road game that they know is against an absolutely atrocious opponent. Dude, they just sleepwalk. Just absolutely Well, there's sleepwalk. that, but then also they need to work on their running game. Correct. Do they just pound the rock knowing that they're going to win regardless? And just say let's let, this is practice. Even if we only win by you know two touchdowns instead of what are they favored by almost five touchdowns here, well, let's just work on the running game. It would be the smart thing to do, right? Yeah. You know what Jeff Brom doesn't do? The smart thing with the rushing attack. No, he Dude, certainly does. Bombs not. away, man. I think it is going to be. You think he's going to air absolutely? It out? <laughs> They'll be rushing. Don't give me. They'll be about a hundred yards rushing. Maybe one twenty-five. 
Other than that, there's going to be two quarterbacks playing this game. David Bell and and Peyton and and, and uh, Payne Durham. Uh, Payne Durham are going to absolutely go off. I have got Purdue 63, oh. UConn seven. That is 70 points. Goes way over. Have some fun. <laughs> Tune into this game and watch some okay. points. That, my friends, is overreaction week right there. <laughs> Do I think Purdue is going to win this game? Yes. Do I think Purdue is going to win this game easily? Yes, but because it's overreaction week, I'm picking Purdue 42 to 13 for a UConn cover and an under. Wow, taking the points with UConn. Yeah, okay. I just want to make sure <laughs> you know what you're doing here. You are taking UConn in the points. That's right. Okay, I wish you like you. You love to live dangerously, my friend. Okay, next up we got our first actual 2:30 p.m. game. Ball State coming into Happy Valley to take on the number 11th ranked Penn State Nittany Lions. This is on FS1. Line Nittany Lions by 23 over under 57.5. So Vegas is saying something along the lines of a 40 to 17 Penn State win. Just over half, 58% of the money is on the Nittany Lions. Okay, I think I got a feeling about this game too. Yeah. So Ball State beat the Western Illinois Leathernecks last week, right? 31 Barely. to 21. Barely. Well, yeah, so Ball State, MAC team, Western Illinois is an FCS team. Quarterback Drew Plitt comes back for his 19th season. I don't know. He's been around since the Bush administration. I'm not sure which one. (laughs) Uh, Wide receiver Justin Hall had a great game for Ball State last week. Penn State, though. God, so much talent. And they showed it last week. And their offensive line is pretty good. Even Sean Clifford was showing me things last week that I haven't seen before. Defense was impressive, but they need more than 17 minutes of possession. Please. So here's my question about this game is how much does Penn State want to beat them by? Yes. Or it's kind of the same Purdue situation, right? A little bit. I mean, so, yeah, 23 points. And it's by the way, this is a a good Ball State team within the MAC. They're predicted to finish fairly high. Okay. Good. Okay. All right. That's not how I was reading Ball State from what I... Okay. I, I mean, I think Athlon had them second yeah, in, their, you know what? in their division. I think, I think you're right, too. I might be... You know what? I think I might be getting my, my Ball State confused when I was thinking before about Chappie. Chappie, if I misspoke for you there, I, I sincerely apologize. Okay. I'm with you there. I, I am concerned about the emotional letdown and the look-ahead factor for Auburn, okay, next week for Penn State. Mm. Uh, so we've got a little bit of a look-ahead, letdown let down sandwich here. All of that, so I think that is going to apply for most of the first half, okay? But the one thing that I think is going to show up all game long is that Penn State defense is Jahan Dotson returning punts and getting the offense into good thing, into good field position. I just got this feeling that Penn State is going to run the ball and run the ball a lot in this game, um, and then I feel like it's a Parker Washington day. Mm. It's a, it's it, it's just because it's got to be a Dotson or Washington day, and I'm going to go with Parker. I just feel like Parker Washington jet sweep. They're going to get him moving on something. He's going to pop a couple big plays. Won't happen till the uh, uh, towards the end of the game, so it'll feel like kind of an ugly game. That in the end, Penn State wins forty to 13 with a late hmm. cover, but under the 53. I feel much better about that under 57.5 for this game. Okay, so I'm not. we're not too far off in this one either. Penn State, I've got them winning 48 to 13. That's, oh, really? That's an easy Penn State cover. That's not where I thought you were going with that. Okay. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And an over. That's an over. Okay, interesting. All right, next game up, our other 2.30 p.m. game. 
on Big Ten Network. I find this one kind of interesting now. The Buffalo Bulls. Always tough to not say Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bulls coming into Memorial Stadium to take on the Nebraska Cornhuskers line. Cornhuskers by 13 and a half. That's dropped a little bit. Over under 54.5. So Vegas is saying something right along the lines of a 35 to 21 Huskers victory. 55% of the money is on the Huskers, just hmm. over half. So they're playing Buffalo. This is Fordham on steroids, right? <laughs> Buffalo beat Wagner. Wagner. Last the night. Seahawks. Oh, the Seahawks. Yeah. Didn't know. Had, I Looked no that idea, up. No idea where they're from. Don't even. I d- didn't need to look any deeper. Their name is well, Wagner. Well, I looked up Wagner just out of curiosity. They're not just a bad FCS team. They're 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 an awful FCS team, which is why Buffalo beat them sixty nine to seven. They were up sixty two to nothing. Fell apart at the end. You know, just a seven to seven tie after that. Um, so Buffalo very famously lost their coach in the off season. Uh, Ex Michigan defensive coordinator has stepped in. Now, here's the thing, though. Buffalo has been rolling here for three, four oh, yeah. years. Lance so, Leipold. Okay, so I understand there's been a coaching change, but do, you don't just lose you don't all lose, of those good football feels. No, you don't lose the good players. You don't lose the culture that was developed. That if Even if you're a bad coach, it takes a little time to, for that to erode. See Lou Tepper in the early 90s. Okay, but there's still... Senior leadership, uh, older players that know how to get things done the right way. I think some of that, you know, carries over. And then to me, if you mix it in with a defensive minded coach, and this is a coach that has coached against Scott Frost back in the day when they were, uh, when Frost was at UCF, there's a little bit of familiarity there with the Buffalo coaching staff to this style of offense. I don't know, man. I suddenly find this game quite a bit more interesting than I did just a week or two weeks ago. So for me, this is all about Scott Frost making sure his team keeps their eyes on the prize, which is six wins and a bowl game. I know that didn't, that, you know, it made it a lot harder losing Illinois, but that's not out of the picture. You got to stay focused on that. Win this game, you're got a winning record, two and one. That's right. And so I know a lot of Oscar fans are asking the same thing. Are they going to be able to run the damn ball? Against Buffalo, I'm I'm wondering that about literally that too. First point I have here is okay. Maybe I was a little too harsh on the Nebraska rushing attack last week versus Fordham, um, but with that being said, I, I I think it I they need to lean again more on the running back yeah. spot to rush if they're going to do that. It's going to be Marquis Step. I mean, it was yeah. pretty obvious last week that Marquis Step was their best running back. Correct? Yeah. And, and then, then their defense and then is lean on the so defense. lean on it. Right? Dude, r- run the ball and lean on your defense. So what does that tell you? That tells me an under. Sure does to me, too. Now, run the ball, lean on the defense, run 2 a.m. when needed. Okay, four, five, maybe six carries in this game if you got to pull it out. And then get the wide receivers going when needed. You don't need to go nuts here. The ball handling should not be an issue. Uh, the backup quarterback came in for Nebraska last week. He fumbled the ball. We had a fumble ball on punt returns. I'm sorry. I'm just going to interject Oof. my point of view here. Quit putting Cam Taylor Britt back to return oh, kicks absolutely. or punts. I, he, I have no idea why Scott Frost is being so, if and, I can use a pun, bullish here. Don't do it against Buffalo. And I think most Husker fans are going to agree with you on that. I would think so. I mean, it I've seems seen like it, I've seen it on Twitter. Okay, it seems like it would be the case. So <laughs> just stay away from the stuff 
that gets you in trouble and you're going to be fine. Right. With that being said, I think there's enough there for Buffalo to pop some plays here and there. Again, I'm kind of leaning on the quality of football that they have played the last three or four years. So I've got Nebraska 30, Buffalo 20. Hmm. So that's a three and a half point cover for the Bulls. And I, and that's a total of 50. So that's four and a half points under the total. Yeah. I like the under as well. I'm going Nebraska to win this game. Not too far off from you. 34 to 17 for Nebraska cover. Wow. Okay. But you got Nebraska covering. Interesting. Okay. Moving into the evening. Eastern Michigan coming into Camp Randall to take on the number 18th ranked Wisconsin Badgers. This is on FS1, 6 o'clock p.m. game, as I believe I said. The Badgers are favored by 25.5 over under 52. So Vegas is saying something along the lines of a 40 to 13 Wisconsin victory, 83% of the money is on the Badgers. All right, so I'm going to start out with... Yeah, 80%. 83%. So I'm going to start out with this. Um, I am by no means a Wisconsin Badger apologist, okay? Uh, But I am kind of, I'm kind of amazed how much dirt was thrown on the Badger's grave this past week via Twitter, via podcast, via things that I was reading. I mean, you would think... Wisconsin lost 16 to 10 to the dregs of society and that right. they showed absolutely no signs of anything positive. I'm kind of overstating it, but not really. This is still very much the Wisconsin team that I kind of expected you, a week and a half ago. Yeah, but do you think that's probably because everyone keeps waiting for Graham Mertz to be Graham Mertz and he's not doing it and he's making a lot of mistakes and then you're expecting Wisconsin to rebound and have another great Wisconsin running game we were wondering if that was going to happen. Che Louis hasn't, you know, he, he did well, but he wasn't he wasn't Jonathan Taylor, but who is? Okay. I think it's just a lot, just high expectations, I think, is what you're running up against here. But I think, again, this is on our theme of overreaction stuff. Okay. Do you have faith in the Wisconsin defense? Oh, yes. Okay. Front to back, top to bottom, inside and out. That Wisconsin defense is lethal. And it would be lethal in any conference. Okay. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to throw that out there right away. I still have faith in the rushing attack. I think Che Louis looked good last week. Oh, he looked good. It's Penn State. Good that point. That is a good defense. Yeah. Now, Penn State's back seven is maybe even better than I had anticipated. We are talking very athletic and good defensive backs for Penn State. We're not going to run into that this week. Now, Graham Mertz is the weak spot. He is the weak spot. And having your quarterback be the weak spot of your team is a difficult thing. It's just, I think they're going to look better offensively for the next month or so, much more than they looked versus Penn State. I don't think that's a hot take. No, and and here's the thing with with Graham Mertz. Hang on to the damn ball and stop trying to do too much. Just play within the system. You've got a Wisconsin offensive line in front of you. Right. That's it. Stop throwing deep over the middle when you need double coverage. Don't need to do it. You don't need to do it. Right. So let's talk about Eastern Michigan, the Fighting Emus. They beat... Is it really the Fighting Emus? No. (laughs) No, but it's EMUs. I just call them the Emus. 
Fantastic. I thought that sounded It's the Eagles, I think. Okay. So the Fighting Emus, they beat St. Francis of Pennsylvania 35-15 to last week. Didn't, it sounds good, didn't earn a lot of style points doing it. Though Samson Evans running back had three touchdown runs. Nobody, or I'm sorry, Wisconsin will not give up three touchdown runs to anybody, especially the Fighting Emus. I'm just curious how good can their offense look because we know how great their defense is. Can you, can you have a good-looking offense against Eastern Michigan? And and again, Graham Mertz, just just take care of the damn ball. Yeah. So I've got Wisconsin winning this game. Yep. I've got it, them winning it fairly easily. Yep. Thirty-eight to ten is my score for Wisconsin cover, but that's an under. All right, we're pretty close here. I have got Wisconsin forty-eight, ECU six, and that is my double barrel lock of the week. That is an un, or an uh, over. 54, very much thought about taking the under here simply because ECU, EMU will not score enough points. Right. So I, but I just have this feeling that Wisconsin's just going to pour it on right at the end. I don't know, more of a gut feeling. But wouldn't it be cool if they did change their name to the Fighting Emus? (laughs) (laughs) You had me, so I think they should do it. All right. Next up, we have got a 6.30 p.m. game. We still got games to go here, folks. Hold on. The Idaho Vandals coming into Indiana to take on the Hoosiers. This is on Big Ten Network line. Hoosiers by 32.5 over under. I couldn't find one. Okay, so did you see what Idaho did last week? I did. They rolled Simon Fraser, right? Simon Fraser. Okay, so I looked pretty deep into that game. And you know what I found out? They're D2. There's a team called Simon Frazier. <laughs> That's what I found out about that. I Dude. saw who they played. I'm like, I don't even care. So, and the funny thing is, when you first look on a website, it just says Sim. I'm like, did they Sim the game? Is this what they came? Sim? Sim. S-I-M. That was how it's spelled. No kidding. Yes. Sim. Okay. Well, Idaho was, <laughs> I guess it's appropriate because <laughs> they were recently relegated to the Big Sky Conference, just like the Premier League, essentially. So Simon Frazier against Simon <laughs> Frazier, they had 13 yards rushing against Idaho. I did look a little bit deeper into the game. That's, I was that's tough. That's tough. That's so a tough that's week. a challenge to the Hoosiers who are having trouble running the ball. Can you get more than 13 yards rushing I just, against Idaho? I have this weird feeling that going from playing Simon Frazier's defense to playing Indiana's defense is going to take – it's going to be a big step up. Think so? For the Vandals. Um, okay. Last week, again – Another team, another overreaction. People are already wondering if Indiana's going to make a bowl game this year. Right. Oh, boy. Great run by Tommy Allen last year, but it was during COVID. Everything was goofy. This is a bet. Okay. They had the Penix, Penix extension all, going on. All of that. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm something cool. So this week, you literally took the wind right out. I think we'll see Penix rise up. Okay. This week. Okay. Well, he's he, big play Penix. Yes. A lot of big things out of that Penix. And he typically does that. This week we're going to see it. Like, I'm not saying people aren't giving Iowa credit. I think I, people have been giving Iowa a ton of credit this week. I just feel like it's been at the expense of Indiana more than it should be. Kind of like Wisconsin, okay? The, Indiana and Wisconsin, a bit spider meme a little bit. Very much two teams that uh, uh, are going to rely on their defense. 
I very much believe this defense will be good throughout the year. I mean, we've got all Americans in a couple different levels of this defense, so I feel really good about that. Do I feel great about them running the ball? No. Do I feel good about them running the ball versus the Idaho Vandals? Yeah. Yes, I do. I actually saw a decent amount of punch out of their rushing attack last week even versus Iowa. Michael Penix is not going to throw two pick sixes this week or three or turn the ball over three times. I think you're going to see the big shots this week in the passing game. A lot like we saw out of Indiana last year, Indiana is going to look a lot like what people expected them to this week as compared to last week. So you kind of convinced me with the Purdue game. I'm like, do they, do they just use it as practice and try to run? Uh, I may be wrong there. But this one, I think they are just going to really establish the run. And they'll take their shots downfield, the yep. Penix. But yep. I do like IU to win this game. I like them winning 45-14. to 14, Interesting. Good. Which is an Idaho cover. And there's no line in the over No line. So I'm pretty close to you. I've got Indiana 40, Idaho 13. I think they'll manage a couple late a late score or something like that garbage to, to cover. Uh, it's 53 total points. No, no over-under, but Indiana will start looking a lot like Indiana this week. All right, next game up. Howard traveling into the shell to take on the Maryland Terrapins. This is a 6.30 p.m. game. I'm going to assume this is on a BTN Plus type of deal. Line, no line, over-under, no line. Can't really find anything with this game. Last week, Howard got ensnared by the Richmond Spiders. Oh, they did. They cu- got caught up in their web. Yes. Web of deceit. All right, so, All right, here, <laughs> so th- this is the kind of game that Loxley lives for. <laughs> Remember two years ago, 2019, when they started out the season? Against, yeah. And he, he was just dialing it up. Yep. Downfield. And he's got the players to do it this year, without a doubt. I they I feel like everything looked better with Maryland in week one than, than what I expected. So, I mean, this should be... Like stealing candy from a baby for Loxon. He he loves stealing a lot of candy from babies. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, Maryland won last week, right? They beat what I think could be a decent West Virginia team, okay? But they were plus four in turnovers. Were they plus four? Okay. Plus four in turnovers and kind of just pulled it out. I don't know. That's yeah. is that a little bit concerning? Yeah, I guess a little bit. West Virginia is a solid team, though. West Virginia is a solid. Any way you get a win over a Power 5 team is good. We ain't got a Power 5 team this this week. We've got Howard. They are going to be all gas, no breaks. Oh, yeah. This will be a fun game to watch at the beginning. I mean, there is going to be Rakeem Jarrett, dudes flying all around. Dante Demas. Demas. like Sean Jones. uh, Tyrone Fleet Davis. Like, you won't even be able to tell. Every time you'll... Big Ten Network will will break into another game. It'll just be a Maryland guy running down the field. Like, I think some coaches are like, let's get some younger guys in. Let's work on that. Not locked. No. Not for games like this. He just goes to town. He wants the national attention of seeing that big offensive number. And that number there. out there. So I've got Maryland 60, Howard 13. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So remember, this is also the quest for 10. I'm going to make a hashtag. Quest for 10 wins for, for Maryland. Maryland Terrapins yeah. here. So this would be number two. And I'm going even bigger. 63 to 3 is wow. the final score here. And, and, and one thing I didn't point out with that is you know you're you're predicting three points from the other team maryland's defense did look good last week Mm -hmm. they they were flying around so to see them do that two weeks in a row if they if they limit to a team to three in your case or 13 in mine it'll be interesting to see all right second to last game we're almost there folks 
This is a good one. The Washington Huskies coming in to play the Michigan Wolverines. Washington was ranked no more after a giant thud of last week. This is a 7 o'clock p.m. game. This is on ABC. It's a big one. Wolverines favored by six and a half, so six and a hook, over or under 49.5. So Vegas is saying something along the lines of 28 to 21 Michigan, a robust 87% of the money is on the Wolverines. My goodness. So I really don't know what to make a Washington quarterback. Dylan Morris had three interceptions last week in that heartbreaking loss versus Montana. They couldn't run the ball at all, so they just passed it and pretty much did nothing else, but that wasn't working great either against Montana. Is this just a blip, or is are they really not what people expected them to be? Yeah, so I this was one of the games that I dug into quite a bit. I felt like there was a theme that came up a lot when people were talking about the Washington Huskies, and that theme is essentially their offensive coordinator is a bonehead, and this Washington offense has not looked good for a while, but their defensive-minded head coach is just being stubborn and sticking with it because, hey, my defense is that good. Just get the running hmm. game going on the offense and we'll be fine. You I, know what would be interesting? If Don Brown had gone to Washington. Okay. Well, boneheads on both sides. Oh, fantastic. Jeez, just a, just a Don Brown shot out of nowhere right there. Well, I figured Michigan fans would appreciate that. They would that. very much appreciate that. You're welcome, so. Michigan fans. But yeah, I mean, and, and I will say too, Montana is a very well-coached, good football program. So it's not it's not crazy that Montana would rise up and challenge Washington, especially, you know, first game of the year when they have all offseason and FCS team to take on the big boy. We might get into that a little bit on our on our Big Ten game of the week. But to lose the game, right? To only have that many points in the game, that is very concerning. Yeah. And I don't think that's something you just fix by flying across the country and playing the Michigan Wolverines. Right. So two good defenses here, which tells me it could be a little, I don't know if sloppy is the word, but just, you know, not dynamic looking. But at yeah. the same time, I was impressed with Michigan last week. Unfortunately, Ronnie Bell's out. I was he had such a, he looked so good. I know he really only registered that one catch, but he had the the one hander on the sideline there. Blake Corm looked great. AJ Henning looks like he may be the real deal. I'm wondering even if C Mac, I like calling him C Mac, Cade McNamara, even if he struggles, do they put J Mac in there? He looked great. C Mac to J Mac. Um, but but what's what has been interesting, and I believe you know, uh, uh, accurate is you've talked about the lack of playmakers on the Michigan yeah. offense. Suddenly I feel like there's it, three it, or four, even with David Bell or, uh, uh, Ronnie Bell being gone. And I just want to pull, and I know you already called him out. Hassan Haskins. Hassan Haskins too. I know you already talked about him, but, and I think I've talked about him in the Michigan pod. Blake Corum is Good. I have to say, I I underestimated him okay. after seeing him last. He he looks explosive. First quarter, there was a 20, 25 yard carry he had. Yeah, it was one of the nicest 20, 25 yard carries I've seen. I saw him as more of a Swiss Army knife in the backfield, you know, maybe third down back type of stuff, which he is. They get him involved in the passing game big time. After watching that game last week, he, he is an every down back. I, I am a big fan of Blake Corum. Another person that I am a bigger fan now than I have ever been, switching to the defensive side, okay. dude, 
Aiden Hutchinson yeah. was if, if it wasn't for Riley Moss having taken two to the house, I'm not so sure Aiden Hutchinson wouldn't have been the player of the week. That's crazy. He could have gone pro. Dude, he looks quicker. He looks more explosive. You know what he kind of looks like? A Michigan defensive lineman. Okay. I was actually going to say he looks like a certain brother tandem that went through a certain rival. wow. Michigan. Dude. Certain. I don't want to say it. Down south? I don't want to. I I don't know if Michigan fans want to hear that necessarily, but he looks amazing. So that's another thing. Like, there was enough that Western Michigan put on film to cook for the for the uh, Michigan defensive staff to coach him up a little bit because there was a couple leaky moments. But another thing, I've got my eyes on Western Michigan in the MAC. That quarterback that they had last week, dude, he was a baller. So Elevate. like, yeah, he is good. I know. So I feel like From I feel like Maryland Heights, Missouri. I believe Missouri. Okay. I feel like Western Michigan put a better offense on the field last week than what Washington's going to be able to bring into the big house wow. this week. And we got a night game in the big house. I don't know, man. I I, I just feel like there's a lot of things lining up for, I mean, for Michigan. Obviously, it's not supposed to be a defensive struggle. I think it is going to be a defensive struggle. I do like Michigan to win. I, I think it's going to be close, though. I like Michigan to win 25-22, to 22, so that's a Washington cover, and that's an under. Okay, um, and the eighty percent of the seven percent of the money scared me a little bit there. Okay, um, I'm pretty close to that. At one point, this was my Amador double barrel lock of the week. Was I thought about it. Was was the under? Um, it gets a little bit close to me because the uh, what I'm nervous about for this under. I still like it. Don't get me wrong. What I'm nervous about is that I think there's a chance that Michigan will just wear Washington down so much yeah. because Washington will have such a lack of offense that they just wind up going over the total almost on their own. But I think it will be closer. So I've got Michigan 24, Washington 17. So that is a half-point cover by Michigan. I'm not as confident, but if you put a gun to my head, I think Michigan winds up putting some extra points on the on the board. All right, sir. All right, that gets us to the big 10 game of the week. The number 10 Iowa Hawkeyes going into Ames to take on the number nine Iowa State Cyclones. This is a 3.30 p.m. game on ABC. Game day is going to be in Ames for the second time in two years. Jeez, who was also the other team that was there? Oh, that was Iowa last time, too. Clowns by four and a half. Over under 46. So Vegas is saying something along the lines of 25 to 21 Iowa State. 80% of the money is taken Iowa in that four and a half Ooh, points. Man. So I got a lot to say on this. I'm game, sure you do. You let imagine. me start by <laughs> let me start though, okay. because you referred to them as clowns. I wouldn't normally do that, except that they're wearing black to okay. play. The Iowa Hawkeyes. I had to bring that up. Thank you for bringing it up. It's number ridiculous. one, you're, you're the uniforms are of this podcast. Yes. And number two, hey, Iowa State fans that are listening, did you hear that? An Illinois fan who is no Iowa fan by trait. Wh- what you doing with this? Like, so they're he- dressing like clowns. So it is appropriate. Well, here's the thing. Here's what I think of. Okay. When you look out into the crowd of any football contest, you got a home team. And an away team. Or if it's a neutral side field, this this would work as well. But you look into the crowd and you're like, well, which side is the home team? Which yeah. side is the away team? Or or where is the away fans, the mixture 
against the home crowd. So how do you figure that out as a fan? Well, the home team fans are probably wearing the predominant color, right? Yeah. Which in this case would be red. Yep. Whereas the away team fans would be wearing their predominant color, which would be black. So whenever you look out into the crowd and you see a lot of black, it's safe to assume that's an Iowa fan. So what color does right. Iowa State wear in the game? Right. Black. Well, yeah, and it's like, like if you're a, I'm just putting myself in the position of an Iowa State fan. Do you want to be emulating the team that, you know, has been a thorn in your side for the last, what, how, I'm sure you know, six years, is it? Five years in a row. Five years in a row. Why would you, oh, we're going to dress like them. Maybe we'll play like them. It makes no sense. Put put your colors on. For and the love and of then God. this has you been. You can do this against Central somebody. Ah, that's right. Who Iowa cares? State University right. of, of you could have done it last week versus you and I. Do it versus Texas Tech. Nobody's gonna care. Right. It is okay. It is the oddest thing. So, all right. So big things are being made out of the fact that both teams are ranked, and and I just keep hearing it's the first time both teams are ranked. Wow, both teams are ranked. Okay, people. Iowa has been ranked. Many, many a times when they've taken on Iowa State. Right. It's Iowa State who has failed to live up to their side of the thing sure. to, to, for this to be a ranked versus ranked team. Two years ago, Iowa State was ranked preseason. So was Iowa. There was rumors that game day was going to come here. What did Iowa State do? They almost lost to you and I two years ago. Right. Dropped out of the ranking. So only Iowa was ranked when game day was in town that day. And then Iowa State. Then there was a four-hour rain delay. Iowa State's punt returners ran into each other. It was hilarity assumed well, that Iowa won the game. And I was a little surprised that the same thing didn't happen this year with them dropping in the rankings because they barely beat UNI again. I think it was 16-10 to 10 with our good buddy Sean Watson, the OC over there at UNI. Right. right? Absolutely. Great, great buddies of, of, of ours. Obviously, we had... A 30-minute conversation. That was fun. So, that was fun. Um, but no, I'm surprised they didn't drop down a little bit. Which They did a little. They okay, did a little. They but, went, I, I would say, on average, they went from like six to nine. So they dropped three spots. Okay. But I guess my point being, I thought they were a little bit overrated going into the season. I thought that the national media would kind of see that and adjust accordingly. I would have expected them drop, honestly, into the, the, the teens, somewhere like 13, 14, 15. I would think that would be a little bit overreactive. Um, well, it is overreaction week. As, right. Uh, especially when you look at just last year, um, Iowa State dropped a game by a couple touchdowns to a group of five team, rebounded and had, you know, a That's very a good, good year for I and they've they have stumbled or looked porous versus you and I. And then me and you know, we saw the countdown of going to play Iowa State. Like yeah. they were gearing up for this game as much as any FCS team can gear up for a power five team. And speaking of gearing up, they sold out to stop the run in Brees Hall and they did. Yes, they did. And so they asked Brock Purdy to to beat him. You'd expected him to feast and he did I okay. mean, he was efficient, but he wasn't great. Yep. So before we get into the breakdown of that, I just want to say one last thing. Do you know how refreshing it is? as an Iowa fan that in this game, I believe most of the pressure is on Iowa state. I think right now it is. Yes. I, it, it's it a home home game, game day. They're favored, higher ranked game day. You have so, a favored. Sure. All the pressures on them. Okay. Do you, they're wearing so, black. <laughs> so I took a poll kind of, of Iowa fans this week, whether it be DMS, whether it be talking to, you know, some of my buddies. And I think we all, not all, but most of us have the same thought process. Um, I wanted the Indiana win more 
last week. It, it is Wednesday evening when we're recording this. I'm still happier to have the Indiana win. Do I want to beat Iowa State? Of course. To be able to beat Iowa State in their second biggest moment in their third best 3.0 team that they've ever had, obviously it would be fantastic. I'm just saying if Iowa loses this game, 24 to 23, you move on to the next week and you still got Indianapolis in your sights. Like Absolutely. at some point, Iowa State and Matt Campbell have to beat Iowa at some point. But they don't have to. They don't have to. That's that's actually true. Because I would like to point out Matt Campbell is 0-4 versus Kirk Ferentz. He has been his daddy pretty much ever since he's been there. Okay, so Iowa State, as we've said, squeaked by you and I last week. I don't pay much attention to that. I was able to watch a replay of the UNI-Iowa State game on YouTube. So the one thing I would point out, any Big Ten fans that are tuning in to watch this game, I think there'll be quite a few eyeballs on this game, even non-Iowa-Iowa State fans or or Big Ten fans across across the country. Um, I think you're going to be surprised to see Iowa State's defense, it looks a lot like Wisconsin's defense. Yeah. Now, Wisconsin runs... Campbell's th- impressed me the whole time he's been there defensively. The, the defense has been... You 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 couldn't have dreamed up better defenses being played in Ames than what Matt Campbell and their, def- uh, their defensive coordinator has done. So Wisconsin is a 3-4. Uh, uh, Iowa State is a 3-3-5, but that extra safety is kind of always down in the box. Uh, watch out for their uh, number nine defensive end, Will McDonald. He is very active, very quick on the outside. Why is that a concern? I was rotating three young offensive tackles, so that's something that w- that concerns me as an Iowa fan. So it's same old Iowa for me. Run the ball, great defense, play great special teams. I'm just wondering, here's my one concern for Iowa. This should be a good game, I think. Usually is a pretty good game. If it's really close and they're but they're down and they need something like Petrus to win the game for them, can they do that? that That's is- a, absolutely a very good question. Um, so when when Iowa State's on offense, what I was like borderline shocked last week was how much UNI's defensive line was pushing that Iowa State offensive line around. I I I was astonished. That was the thing that that blew my mind more than anything, because going into this game, you know, three, four, five weeks ago, whatever, I'm reading all about Iowa State's offensive line and all these magazines. I mean, some of the magazines had their offensive line in the top 10 in the country, not just the Big 12. That's not what I saw last week. So that alleviates a little bit of my concerns because, you know, we're still rotating a young Iowa defensive line here. I mean, I think they look pretty good versus Indiana. Uh, so we'll see. So they... Uh, uh, each one of their their uh, uh, studs on offense has got an eight, number eight, Xavier Hutchinson, number 88, tight end Charlie Kohler, and number 28, running back Brees Hall. Brees Hall, a little bit gimpy last week. Mm. He had a little bit of an ankle. He It took him, I'm going to, off the top of my head, I know he had 69 yards. I can remember that. I think it took him 23 20 carries something. That to get right. there. Yeah. Like, they were having a hard time running the I ball know. versus that you and I front seven. I, I have this belief, I have this confidence that Iowa's bringing a pretty good defense into Ames to take on that very same offense. So they're usually good at stopping the run, these Iowa Hawkeyes. That's huh? that's okay. something that I feel so like I've learned. I, I do feel pretty confident in this one. I do like Iowa to win this game. Part of it, it just goes back to history. They just play, you know, they, they, they've obviously won several in a row against Iowa State. So usually what happens in the past in college football 
keeps happening in college football. So until they prove me wrong, I'm picking Iowa to win this game. So obviously cover 27 to 24, and that's an over. All right. Um, we're pretty close here. Um, a little bit more on on the game because I think you kind of touched on it. I, I'm not 100% sure where the points are going to come from from Iowa in this game. I still don't know. Uh, Charlie Jones, our, our awesome punt returner, yep. Little dinged up last week. Uh-oh. We're a little bit unsure about his status. That makes me nervous. But when points are hard to come by on both sides, what do you rely on more than anything? Special, Special teams, teams, baby. Yeah. Our punter is going to loom large in this game. Our kicker is going to loom yeah. large. Look up I as good as Matt Campbell. By the way, I don't think Matt I I Matt Campbell's a good coach. Oh, yeah. Okay. I just don't think he's walk on water levels that he has given. Okay. So I just want to say that now. He's done a great job since he's been in Iowa State. One thing to look up, look at the special team rankings of mm. Iowa State since he's been there. Interesting. They have gotten increasingly worse. They were something wow. like 114th last year Woo. in specials teams, which is almost the exact opposite of Iowa, which was ranked either first and second, depending on where. So I feel like special teams are going to be huge. By the way, I'm throwing turnovers completely out of this game mm-hmm. because if some team – has a big advantage in turnovers. That's the winner of the football contest right there. Sure. There's not enough gap between either one of these. I am concerned where the offense is coming from. I think Spencer Petrus will hit the tight ends. I think the seam routes and up the middle is the best spot for Iowa to get offense. Tyler Goodson, screen game, getting in the passing game. That is where the offense is going to come from. Iowa State's offense mostly going to come from Brock Purdy getting out of the pocket, making plays with his uh, making plays with his legs or making plays with his legs to set up the pass. In the end, though, I think the streak continues where Iowa keeps people under 24 points. Mm. I think Iowa wins the game. I've got Iowa 23, Iowa State 21, so that's an Iowa win and a cover, the over-under being 44, which is just a couple points under that over-under. All right, sir. That was a lot of talking in one game, but, dude, I'm pretty excited for this game. Big game, right? You should be. And as much fun as it's been being on the road, going to the games the past two weekends, oh, man, that first weekend when I'm just sitting down here in the downstairs athletic club, nice and cool, watching football all day long, two TVs up and going. I can't wait. I do love going to a couple games a year, you know, because you get that that full experience. But really, if I have to choose most weekends, I want to be in front of my TV. I would say eight out of 12, I want to be in front of my TV. Those other four, it's perfect to be live at the contest. I mean... Football is just the greatest TV sport. It's it's, it's the greatest TV and live sport. Maybe yeah. I mean there's a couple other live sports hockey's that maybe fun hockey's live. hockey's up yeah. there for live sport. But yeah, nothing right. beats football on TV. It is nothing. the best sport. That's all there is to it. Yeah. Okay. It is the opposite of watching soccer or baseball. I can't watch baseball on TV. See, I can appreciate baseball. It's kind of like kind of like golf gotta be, a little bit. Got to be playoffs for me. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, you fall asleep in, like, the third, fourth inning, and you wake up and continue <laughs> that, watching. Didn't, didn't you just kind of make my point right yeah. there? How often but you then, fall asleep hey, during I'd a like big naps? Naps are good. Yeah. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.